Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by guest speaker David Pate. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. I wonder if anyone here has ever had a problem or frustration ever in your life. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever felt anything like that? And maybe you can't identify or, or relate, um, but have you ever had a disagreement with someone? Have you ever been mad uh, uh, with someone? I, I know that, that for me, uh, Melissa and I, my wife and I, have had 17 years of marital bliss and perfection. So um, I don't relate in the area of marriage with that. You know that's not true. Uh, um, but, but maybe someone has wronged you, or, or maybe someone around you was living in sin or you saw wrong, and maybe it didn't necessarily affect you, but you saw it, and, and, and I, I would think the next logical step is, what, what do I do? Or at least I think that should be the next lo- logical step, is, is what is the right way to, to uh, approach this? Because I know we have ideas of how we should approach something that is wrong or, or something that is frustrated. You know, maybe, maybe in our mind, you know, I'm mad and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this, right? Or, or this time, maybe you're like me, last time I was nice. But this, now that it's happened again, I'm not holding anything back. I am going to say the truth uh, unbridled uh, uh, to them. But, you know, the, the, the question I think that we need to ask ourselves is, is it right, this idea that I have? Is this a, a right thought? You know, I remember... Uh, Melissa and I were, were going on a, a date night one time, and we were, we were driving down the interstate, and we were headed to uh, our restaurant, and, and I remember uh, coming upon uh, uh, Road Rage. I mean, right here, two cars driving side by side that are angry with each other. I knew they were angry because they were kind of swerving at each other. Uh, the windows were rolled down. They were yelling at each other. But at 70 miles per hour, let's be honest, do you think anybody heard each other? Uh, and they were gesturing certain signals to one another. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden, as you see these people, they're not going to let it go. All of a sudden, as we're observing this, Flying out of one of the windows is a 44-ounce big gulp uh, fountain drink thrown in the direction of the other car. Now, it didn't even hit the other car. The wind, it, the wind took it, you know, and it hit the ground, and so there's litter. And, uh, um, but, but, you know, this anger that, that is happening, and you know what the other driver was doing. You know, we kind of saw him. But the other driver is looking around and finding, what can I part with and throw at this guy? And so as we're observing this and we're looking at each other, can you believe this is happening? Oh, my gosh. And, you know, we're literally the car right behind them. And then all of a sudden, flying from the second car is a roll of toilet paper. (laughs) Who carries a roll of toilet paper? This guy, you know. And he hurls it in the direction of the other car. And we're just like, can you believe this? I mean, we witnessed a full on toddler temper tantrum from two grown men adults driving down the interstate headed to some professional job I am sure uh, to be very mature at it but you know we've all been there haven't we 
where we're frustrated and our first thought is probably not a great thought. And so my title today is, I have a problem, what do I do? I have a problem, what do I do? Because we all have these frustrations in life that pop up, and and, and problems aren't new. There have always been problems, and there will always be problems because we live in a fallen world, so we're always going to have these frustrations, but there's a right way to handle them, and there is a wrong way to handle them. There's a a wise way and an unwise way. When, When you get frustrated, I don't think throwing big gold and toilet paper at people is quite the biblical answer and view that God wants his people uh, to, to be doing. Probably not the answer. But you know, when you watch the news, when you look at social media, now is no different. People are frustrated with things that are happening. And, and, and I think this is a great thing that as the church, we need to look at, we need to address. I mean, you cannot turn, you, you pick the 25 different social media possible apps that we have, and you see a lot of frustration. You, you see that. I mean, you see that more than you see any, anything else. But you know, not just in the news. I see this on a smaller scale in, in, in people's everyday, everyday lives, in my, in my life. We have relationship issues with people that we, we deal with, whether it's family or friends or, or, or just people that we meet in public, and we just don't know how to work things out. We don't know how to overcome and walk through fr- frustration on a biblical way. I see this with, with, with businesses, whether it be the customer or whether it be the way that they run a business. You know, you see customer service out the window because forgiveness has been thrown out the window. And so if anybody wrongs me, I'm going to rant on social media about this business or what they did or businesses complaining about their customers. So we could see this on an everyday basis. We don't know how to work with each other and handle frustration. And when we have a society that doesn't know how to handle problems and frustrations correctly, then we're going to spiral out of control. We're going to spiral into chaos because no one knows how to deal with anybody else. We see families in chaos, people quitting each other in family. Schools are in chaos, bullying, not getting along. It's unbelievable, and we don't know how to fix it. Social media looks like the big gulp in the toilet paper being thrown at each other at 70 miles an hour. We're racing down. Our fingers are racing down the keyboards of our phones, you know, throwing toilet paper at each other and gesturing at a high rate of speed. But see, church, we can't have freedom without morality. We can't have freedom without morality, and that's kind of where we're at in our nation today. We can't have freedom without people that know what to do with it. See, the idea of freedom is that you have a moral people that wants to come up with a moral answer, a right answer. But you know, without Jesus, that's impossible. Without Jesus, that's impossible. Why? Because we're selfish. We're selfish, and selfish people don't ever prefer the other person or care about the other person's story, or want to see what they are going through. We just know how we are treated, and we are ready to lash out. Because, you know, selfishness doesn't ever look in the mirror and say, do I need to change? 
It always looks in the mirror and says they need to change. And here's how I'm going to change them. You know, colleges. Colleges used to be about people taking morally ambiguous, morally confusing situations, looking at all kinds of ways to approach it and say, what is the truth, what is right, and what is wrong? And that's not what it has become today. Colleges have been a place to simply vent frustration, not solve frustration. You see groups like Antifa coming in and fighting each other and doing it, not even them, just all of us. How do we solve problems? We don't even care. We don't even care. We're, and so what we're doing today is we're making problems bigger instead of solving them. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Jesus. Jesus is not just a good idea for our eternity. Obviously, he is the only way to God the Father. But Jesus is not just our, our vertical thing, but he's also our horizontal. He's our way that we're to live life with other people. We cannot have a nation without Jesus. We can't because we don't know how to deal with each other. And the church has to see this as our job to go out and spread the gospel so we can learn how to get along with each other. Jesus is the only way we can be civil. Why? Because Romans 3.23 says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because of our sin problem, we need Jesus to work out our frustrations with one another. And the more pockets of frustrations we have in our nation, it's just revelation of the more pockets we have without Jesus. And that's why we're necessary. All the pockets here in these communities right around us need Jesus. They need Jesus to solve frustrations. I don't know if you've ever felt like Romans 7, 21, where Paul said, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power <laughs> of frustration working within me. It's at war with my mind. But you know, without Jesus, there is no war. We just give in to that flesh. But the power makes me a slave to sin. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will set me free? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ. See, we have families falling apart because we don't have Jesus or we're not allowing Jesus to lead us through these frustrations. We have schools that bickering and fighting with parents and teachers and students and the way they treat one another. We have churches. We have churches that have become cesspools of gossip and religion because religion and tradition is leading our churches and not the gospel and the power of Jesus Christ. But you know, it's because it really seems like today we want to talk about problems. We don't want to solve problems. It seems like our focus is to talk about problems, not solve problems, because you know, it's, more, it's easier. It's easier to live in drama. It's easier to live in drama than it is to actually bury things, swallow pride, humble ourselves and bury them in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's more fun to post and repost and comment and subtweet. All these rants I see on social media, you know, it's like, who cares? Who cares? Obviously, some people do. <laughs> but, you know, we've become reactors instead of responders. We've become reactors to things. Instead of hold up, time out, let me respond the way the word of God wants me to respond. You know, someone mistreats our sweetie, precious, our, 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 our child. And then what happens is mama bear morphs and the claws come out. And the worst thing you want to do is get mama bear wound up. And then Mama Bear has to come in and fix every single 
person, teacher, classmate, friend that has ever harmed their child. And so their child, everything is fixed for them. And so instead of parenting, we fix. We don't navigate our kids how to, to get through the difficulties of life. And they need bubble wrap the rest of their life. You know, I saw the other day there was a leader, a leader, a state legislator, a leader that tweeted, we needed to assassinate the president. It might be a reaction out of frustration and not a response. I'm just not sure that that's the right way to handle frustration. And, and I read, and I was like, whoa, what are they so frustrated about? They were frustrated because the, it's the president's fault that we have evil racists in our country. What a tough job for every leader to have to eliminate all racism in a country. What a daunting task. You know, I'm not sure we're ever going to accomplish that with the fleshly Romans 3.23 that we have. But, you know, assassination is not the answer. If someone's doing wrong, they need to be arrested. If we don't like them, we need to vote them out. But we've got to look, what does Jesus say? What does the word of God say? But, But the bottom line is we want everyone to make us happy instead of Jesus being our source. And so when frustration happens, our source is revealed. When frustration happens, if Jesus is our source, we're able to navigate through that. But when frustration happens and we blow up, it's because our source was we needed all situations to be perfect for us. And we've got to identify our correct source. Jesus has to be our source because he's the only thing that produces real change. So we have problems. We have issues. What do we do? What do we do? Do we cuss people? Do we quit? Do we text everyone? Do we call 911? Do we post it on social? You know, what, what do we do? I want to look at what the Bible says. And I really want to boil it down to two, two different things that we have to do in order to respond to frustration. The first thing that we have to do is we have to ask questions. Whenever something happens to us, we observe it. Whenever there is something that happens, we got to start asking questions. Before we react, before we dive into a convo or, or, or copy, paste, and post, we, we've got to respond in the, in the correct way. And the first thing that we got to ask is, is this true or is it a lie? Whenever frustration happens, whenever, whenever we hear something, whenever something hits us, we got to ask, is this truth or is this a, a lie? And it almost, it almost seems like we don't even care sometimes today of whether it's true or not. We're just mad. We, we're just mad. And Proverbs 18, 17, Proverbs 18, 17 says, the first one to plead his, ca- his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. Isn't this what happens to us? I'll read it again, Proverbs 18, 17. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. See, what happens is the first person that gets us the information seems right until we examine, then we dig deeper. But, you know, digging is effort. You know, digging takes, oh, i got to actually do something. But it's easier to just champion a cause. You know, we can't ever assume something is true. You know what happens when we assume, and we won't discuss that in church. But I have learned in the ministry, and I've learned as a parent, it's better to get the full picture and not just the first picture. Because I've learned in the ministry that 89% of the real details are left out to protect the one who got to me first. I've learned in parenting there might be the majority of the story left out. I, I only saw the previews. I didn't see all that really happened, and details matter. But John 8, 32 says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. We can't be set free from the truth that we don't know. 
But we have to ask, is it true? Not do I want it to be true. Because sometimes when something hits us, we run with it because we wanted that to be true already. And so we just go with it. And I love the, the fact that we live in a country that people are wanting to make things happen. But are we acting out of ignorance? I take, take the example right now that, that people are, are saying all police are targeting innocent people. If that's true, that police officers are doing that for no reason, that's got to stop. But if it's not true, we got to quit lying about it. And here in America, we're innocent until proven guilty. And so I love what this guy did. A professor from Harvard, Roland G. Fryer, he's an economics professor. And he said, listen, if this is happening, we got to figure this out. we got to get to the bottom of this. So he was so distressed at the treatment of black men like Michael Brown and Freddie Gray. So he commissioned a study on the roles of race and lethal force by police. And he studied and examined more than one thousand police shootings from 10 large police departments from California, Florida, and Texas. Here's what he found. He found that police officers who had been attacked uh, were more likely to shoot white suspects. He also found the equal number of blacks and whites were carrying weapons when the police shot them. He said it was the most surprising result of my career. Harvard professor set out to prove the narrative, and he said it just wasn't the truth. See, he was doing John 8, 32. He was so angry by the media's portrayal because it was simply wrong. The Washington Post did the same study, a similar study in 2015, said that there were 258 African-American suspects killed in 2015. But the number doubled when you look at white suspects. In the same year, almost 500, 494 were killed by police. And so we see a narrative that doesn't line up with the truth. And I'm not saying we shouldn't always, every single time, attack racism. We should. Every single time because it's wrong, it's not of God, and we should always, it doesn't matter if it's happening a few times or a bunch, we should always be against that, but we got to make sure that we aren't championing because people's lives are being affected by the narrative that's out there. Another question, we've got to ask questions. Number one, is it true? We've got to ask questions. The other question we've got to ask is, is it preference or is it morality? Am I mad at something that I just prefer, or is this real wrong that is happening? we got to ask ourselves, am I going up against just something that I prefer, or you know what, this is wrong, that something really needs to be done about it? Because today, it really seems like we fight a lot of preference that's not right or wrong. We fight a lot of preference that is not right or wrong. Or wrong, and I think a great example, if we could use the example of the church, I came across a blog about a really awesome church that, that's producing fruit in Oklahoma, and I came across a blog of a church member that went to this church for over 10 years, and, and he wrote a blog, I, I would call it more of a novel, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the length is for a blog versus a novel, but he wrote a, a blog about this church, and he had a lot of very small vocabulary words that were very explicit about his church, this is a church member. And he wrote a list of things that really frustrated him about his church. And he said, I don't like this about my church. I don't like this about my church. And do you want to know this ugly list that this awful church was doing? He said, I hate the remodel that we did. 
I hate the song choices that the bands, when I really first got here, I liked it. Now I hate it. I don't like the cameras that they bought. I don't like the new LED screens that they bought. The ushers are trying to make me sit in certain seats that I don't want to sit in because more people are coming, so they're trying to push us into these other seats, and, you know, God forbid we have more people come to church and have their lives changed. God forbid we get a little less comfortable in church so that other people can go to heaven, you know, we don't want those things to happen. But you know, as I read this blog, there was not one verse. He didn't say, you know what, the church is off doctrinally in this area. The church is immoral in this area. The pastor has left the word of God. All he said was, I'm uncomfortable and don't prefer the way that the changes have been made. But you know, that's not surprising because that has tended to become our society where we are mad at all these preference issues. And it was just preference. It was just preference. Another question we got to ask ourselves is, is it worth it? Before we launch into something with somebody, we got to ask ourselves, is it worth it? Because you know what? When we sleep on it, and the next day we wake up, and the emotion of the moment is gone, sometimes it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. You know, it's good to see. Is this going to happen repetitively? Is this really something? Or did it just happen one time? Or was it just a fluke thing? Or, you know, maybe I can just forgive them in my heart and not address it, you know? Or maybe not. Maybe I do need to address it and do. But, but we've got to determine, is it worth it before we go out and respond? Another question we've got to ask ourselves is, am I the cause of the problem? That's a tough one, isn't it? Am I the cause of the problem? See, that, you might not want to write that one down because that, that, that one gets personal. That makes it not about them. And it makes it a, a, about us. You know, yes, they should have been mature. Yes, they, they, they should have forgiven me. But you know what? I gave them something to gossip about. <laughs> you know, maybe my actions caused this problem. Maybe something I did caused this. See, we, 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 we've got to see our part before we rant we got to ask ourselves some questions. we got to ask, is it true? Is this preface morality? Is it worth it? Did I cause this? See, we, we got to be responders and not just reactors emotionally. And then the second thing, the last thing, is we have to handle things the right way. We have to handle things. There's a right way and a wrong way to, to handle things. We've got to handle things the right way. In fact, I saw in the news the other day there was a McDonald's employee that was cleaning out the McFlurry catch tray. And, and when he saw the McFlurry catch tray, he saw sludge and gook and gunk and mold and nasty, okay? And so when he saw that, his solution to the frustration and the problem that he saw at his place of employment was to tweet it <laughs> and throw it out there for everyone to see, just so you know, this is what the, McDonald, the, the McDonald's McFlurry tray is. Now, I apologize for everyone who was going to leave church after baptisms and go get a McFlurry. This may have ruined the McFlurry in your mind, but that's okay. That may have helped you subconsciously, and you can just go to Walmart and gnaw on a celery stick or something. Uh, um, but there was a problem at his job, and instead of going to the boss and saying... Hey, no one told me, is this my job? Should I clean this out? Hey, is this happening at other McDonald's? You might want to find that out. It was post and let everybody know. And of course, he was fired. <laughs> That's not really a great team concept in the business world. They were not happy with that. But his complaint was no one taught me and no one told me. And so I had to go and solve the problem. The only thing is he didn't solve it in the right way. And Proverbs 29, 20 says, there is more hope for a fool 
than for someone who speaks without thinking. I think he spoke without thinking. I think it was a foolish way to handle problems. James 1.19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You know, I love James. He gives us some strategy here. He gives us, really, he throws three things in there. We put them in bold. He, he said, we should be slow to speak, slow to respond. Because, you know, when we speak quick, a lot of times it wasn't really thought through. Had a lot of, and then he said, we should be slow to become angry. Don't get emotional. Let, let's really think, I know we're mad. I know it hurt. I know we're upset. But that's not the right way to react We've got to deny our flesh and our emotion. And we've got to say, I want to be a Christ follower, not a flesh follower. I want to follow the word of God, and I want to do things the right way. And you know what happens when we begin to live like this? People begin to notice, whoa, there's something different about you. But see, if we act just like everyone else, they, they don't have a chance to see the Jesus in us because we don't look different. We, we, as we begin to follow the Bible, as we begin to deny our flesh and begin to live the way God challenges us to live, that's when people can start asking, hey, hey, excuse me, something's different about you. Hey, excuse me, that's not normal how you just reacted. That's not normal. The way you forgave, the way you navigated that, the way you were calm, cool, and collected, the way you did that, what, whoa, what, why every time do you, do you, when you get frustrated, you're able to navigate that? I'm so impressed with you. And then we can share Christ. Well, we can't share Christ when we look like everybody else because we're not allowing that. See, we've got to be quick to listen and get the full story. You know, we've got to hear people's heart behind why they did what they did. You know, if I'm in a business and I see something that's wrong, I'm not quickly going to call uh, the government and say, come in here and shut them down. You, you know, before we do that, have we gone to the manager? Have we asked them? It was fire code violations right here. I'm calling the fire marshal. You know, whoa, whoa, whoa. Have we gone through proper chant? Are we doing that? Are we just setting everybody off everywhere, everywhere we go? In fact, the Bible teaches us exactly what to do. In, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, it says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won the person back. What an awesome thing. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church, then he or she won't accept the church's decision. Treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Really, Jesus says, man, when we're frustrated, when we're mad, if somebody has wronged us, first thing we do, it does not need to be post about this person. Here's a picture of this person that has wronged me. Everyone needs to know this. If you see them, shun them. That was not Matthew 18, 15, part B, okay? That's not that. Jesus said, go to that person. But how often do we go to 20 other people other than the real person? And what that does is it builds the problem. It doesn't bury the problem. It builds, it escalates the issue. It doesn't solve the issue. See, the blood of Jesus solves issues. It doesn't build issues. We've got to go to the person first. How awesome to give God a chance to change them, to help them. And then if not, we find some friends and we help them. And then if not, it says to go to leadership. Leadership at the job, leadership at the org, wherever we're at, go to leadership. What an incredible way. If we start doing this, how much less chaos would we be creating? If we went to our mate instead of gossiped about our mate? If we went to our friend instead of posting about our friend? How much less chaos would that produce? And how many more problems would we actually solve instead of just 
talking about. But it seems like we do everything but the right thing today. We post a nasty review. I'm going on Google review. I'm going on Yelp, and I'm going to let ever. Or did we go to the manager and give them a chance to lead and make that place better and say, hey, man, I don't know what you want to do with this, but this happened. This may not help you have a good business here. Man, I don't want to go post on Google. I want to help you and give you a chance to make your business better and lead and do what God has called you to do. So as we bring this thing together today, what do we do when we're really wronged. I came across a story this last year uh, of a guy that was, I'm talking about, really wronged. There was uh, a, a guy on the left, his name is Jamil, and the guy on the right, his name is Andrew, and the guy on the right is a former police officer, and that's his picture down there, but uh, he really wronged Jamil. Uh, in fact, he set out, as he often did, he set out one day to falsify a drug arrest. And he was wanting to puff up his own ego and what he was doing. And this is, this is his words, not anybody else's. Uh, but he went and he planted drugs on Jamil, a guy who was just walking down the road, minding his own business, and got him put in jail. Jamil says it wrecked his life. He had a four-year jail sentence. It really ruined everything that he had built up to that point. And, and Jamil said, my entire goal was to get out of jail, find Andrew, and hurt him. <laughs> I mean, which is a pretty natural fleshly response. And well, the only problem was he couldn't do that because Andrew himself went to jail. Uh, he was found out for the wrong that he was doing. He was prosecuted just like uh, he should have been. And he went to jail for a year and a half. Well, Jamil obviously was exonerated. And they were both from a small town. And um, Jamil went to rebuild his life and found a job in a coffee shop. And as he was working in this coffee shop, a new employee came to work at this coffee shop named Andrew. They both had to rebuild their lives. And I guess it's just ironic that God would force this to happen. But the cool thing about Jamil is God had been doing a work in his life. And things had been happening since the last time he had seen the police officer. And it took about a year of them working together. But over a year, they began to develop a friendship. And uh, Jamil forgave Andrew. And he said... Andrew says it was about a year later that Jamil says, man, I love you. As they were working together in this coffee shop, man, I love you. And Andrew just started bawling, just broke down, started crying and said, I don't deserve that. And Jamil says, I know, none of us do. None of us do, but that's the power of Jesus Christ. And the cool thing is, is they be, began to be unbelievably great friends. People began to hear People began to observe, and they said, listen, would you two guys come and speak here? Would you two guys come and speak here? And see their testimony and the power of God restoring their relationship began to minister to other people around them. See, our frustrations have to be bigger than just what we're going through. They have to be bigger than just how are we affected. See, it's important that we respond right, not just for ourselves, but because of the testimony it can be. How many people's lives can be changed from us doing the right thing? How many people's lives can be changed? And as we bring this together, I, I don't know if any of you came to church here and you're frustrated today. I pray that the word ministers to you today. I pray that maybe you saw some things. Man, I got to do that because I, I, I got to be honest, I'm mad at Steve today. That's okay, we're close. Because he asked me to speak on this. And I, this is, I actually spoke on this for the first time a month ago at my church. And when I spoke on this, I was not in a frustration. 
So it was really good for me to be able to teach that to our church. Y'all need to deal with your frustrations. Can't believe you. But over the last couple weeks, I've been going through some frustrations. And so as Steve asked me to speak on this, I listened to my own podcast. And I was so mad at my own self because I, I had to live what I was speaking. And God began to minister to me. And so I want you to know if you're not in a frustration today, don't panic. It's coming soon. Don't be like, it's not fair. I'm not in one. This doesn't apply to me. Tuck it away. It's coming today after lunch, you know. But we got to allow Jesus to really be the Lord of our life. And we got to allow him to move on our hearts. And we got to handle everything, especially the things that are personal to us. Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.